Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen here with life coach Cindy Chavez. Today is Wednesday. Happy Neville Day, everybody. It's May 22nd, 2019 at 4 p.m. New York time, which is 1 p.m. Los Angeles time, 9 p.m. in London, and 6 a.m. in Sydney, Australia. Wherever you are in the world, thank you for joining us for another episode of LOA Today, your daily dose of happy. And I'm happy that it's Neville Day because that's always a fun day when we get to talk about the writings of Neville Goddard. And I get to talk with my good friend, Cindy Chavez. Cindy, how you doing? I'm doing well, doing great. It's a beautiful, sunny day here where I am. So that always sets a nice tone for me, especially with all the uh, rain that's happening everywhere. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, we've had our share around here too. Although today is gorgeous. I mean, today um, it's not real sunny out, but the highs are in the low 70s. And it's just, oh, oh. Really nice now, which was great. <laughs> Louise and I were running around running errands for the gardening cruise today. So, you know, you want to have good weather when you're doing that, right? You can roll, roll the windows down. You're driving around doing your stuff. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, That's perfect. Yeah, it is perfect. So what else and, is going on? Well, I, I actually have a, a few things I want to share with people. First of all, one of our really loyal listeners um, let me know that she was having trouble finding our live stream. And she is one of the people who likes to follow us on the live stream at times. And... So we got to talking a little bit, and I finally realized what the difficulty was. While I have been doing everything I can to put out you know, the word via social media and so forth, okay, you know, here's links, here's links, here's links, I haven't actually explained on the podcast to our existing listeners, hey, here's where you can find the link to the live stream. Okay, where do we find it? <laughs> well, I'm going to do that. It? Absolutely, I'm going to do that today. So actually, we got in a lot of places. Um, since you're a regular podcast listener, probably the easiest place for you to find it is in your podcast app. If you look at the description that goes with each of the different podcasts we put out, there are links in there. And one of those links is to the live stream. So that's probably your easiest way to get here. Um, but if, let's say, for whatever reason, you're not finding the description or you're not finding the link or whatever, there are other alternatives. And they include the fact that we are now sending out through social media a link to the live stream to all the major platforms. So we send out a tweet via Twitter. Here's a link to uh, the live stream that's starting right now. Um, we do the same thing to Facebook, to the LOA Today page. Um, we do it to Instagram. We send out the same kind of thing there. And, oh, and speaking of Facebook, we also put it out to the Law of Attraction Change My Life group, same message. So all of those messages that go out at the time of the uh, podcast are there, um, are, are including the link right at the time that we start, which on Wednesdays is at 4 p.m. New York time. So there's another way to do it. And then finally, if you can't get there through any of those links, well, you can actually find it through YouTube, believe it or not. <laughs> you can actually go to YouTube and do a search for LOA Today Podcast Videos, and we'll pop up there. And if you go to our page, you will see a live stream there. Now, here's a cool thing. If you finally find us on YouTube, which hopefully one of these methods is going to help you get there. <laughs> and if you subscribe on YouTube, which is pretty easy because there's a big subscribe button there, and if you're using an Android or uh, an iPhone, you click the little bell next to the subscribe button, you'll get notified every time that we're going to do a live stream. So now you don't even have to go for a, looking for a link anymore. I mean, as long as you have a YouTube app, it's going to say, hey, by the way, LOA Today is now live streaming. Perfect. Real simple. So there's all the different ways you can find the live stream. And, and hopefully one of those is going to be really easy for you. But we would love to have more of you join us on the live stream portion. Um, and we love all of our listeners for sure. But it's always fun to have people tune in and share their comments and even occasionally jump on the Zoom platform with us. There's actually a Zoom link in, in the description, by the way, of each of the podcasts in your, in your um, app. So, yeah, feel free to jump in on, on the podcast itself sometime. So hopefully one of those will help you get up there. Now, a few other announcements I want to tell you about. Cindy and I were kind of chatting about the uh, audio play, The Grass is Greener, that Alex King and I have been working on. And we are now in the casting process. And anyone who's in the field of theater will understand totally what I'm talking about. I'm not in the field of theater, so this was a little new to me, but it wasn't new to my sister who was directing our play. She has a lot of experience, and Alex also has experience. It wasn't new to her. Um, but we were advertising all over the place saying, hey, we've got this casting call going on. We're looking for people to play the different roles. And in my research, I said, oh, well, here's another place, Backstage.com. What's that? Oh, that's Backstage Magazine. I brought that up with my sister. Oh, yeah, that's the magazine of the industry. And it used to be that if you – if you were coming out of acting school, they'd say, okay, if you're looking for work, go to Backstage Magazine first. I said, okay, so you think it's worth buying an ad there? And uh, the consensus was yes, okay. 
And I even got a 50% discount, which was great. So I ended up spending like $12.47 on an ad. And the emails haven't stopped coming. (laughs) So far, I believe we have received over 250 people requesting to be part of Grass is Greener. And I'm in the process of trying to go through one by one, you know, filtering and sorting, sorting, filtering and sorting. And, you know, okay, yes, we're going to consider this one. I'll send that over to my sister who's doing the directing. And uh, that, no, that one doesn't fit our criteria. Move that one out. And, oh, my goodness, what a job it is. But, yeah, 250. And and they they haven't stopped. They're still coming. It's crazy. Yeah. So a lot of hungry actors out there. I think we already knew that. But, yeah, we're getting direct evidence of that. So those are the, the two big pieces of news. And then also, I'm going to, since we're doing promos, I'm going to take the moment to say, are you a subscriber? If you're listening to this for the first time and you're not a subscriber, this is like, this is the podcast you want to be listening to every day because it, it gives you a lift and every single episode is a different episode. So look in that same description. You'll, you'll find links there for becoming a subscriber. But if you can't find the links there, just go to the homepage of our website, LOAToday.net, and you will find that it is set up for your device. It will Check what kind of device you've got, and we'll give you instructions on how to become a subscriber for your device. And once you're a subscriber, of course, share the fact that you're enjoying LA today and your daily dose of happy with your friends and family and so forth on social media and other places so that we can get more and more people into the boat that we're all in, which is a fun, happy boat. So those are our messages for the day. I got them all in at the beginning, which is unusual for me, Cindy. I usually wow. <laughs> Well, so excited about the about the audio play. Oh my goodness! Really, it's, really excited about it. I, I'll tell you what. This is something I'm very excited by. It. I, this is something where I already have a very strong belief and feeling that this is going to be a big success. And yeah. I can't ever say I've had that feeling before. So, yeah. you know, I'm I'm still kind of. I, like I double check to see, is it really true? You know, <laughs> do I really believe that? <laughs> I really believe it. But well, yeah, you're feeling I really it. Do. I really do. I am feeling it. Um, and, and you know what's doing it more than anything else? Well, first of all, it's always great to have, you know, that kind of response from actors who are looking to be a part of it. Um, but that's also fairly true for the industry. I mean, you get that. If you have, if you hit the right place with your notification, you know, they'll show up. But for me, the really exciting part is the, the script that we finally came up with, we had a number of people helping to write it. Alex and I were taking the lead, but my sister played a major role. Cindy, you played a role. You gave us some feedback. Other co-hosts gave us feedback. Uh, other people in the industry gave us feedback, which was great. And what we put together is, I think, a pretty strong script. Now, I contrast this with some of uh, – there are very few audio podcasts that are like fictional series out there. There are some, but there aren't a lot of them. And I've been comparing ours to theirs – and, I mean, I shared a few of them with my sister because my sister is the one with the theater background. She has a degree in theater. And I, I said to her, well, I mean, am I crazy or are these really, really bad? And <laughs> she checked them out and she wrote back. She says, well, the first one you sent me to doesn't even have a storyline. <laughs> so that, that's not very good. And the second one had some interesting sound effects, but it made me want to be able to see the video in order to know what it was all about. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's that's an interesting thing to to be able to tell the story and have the sound effects and, and have it really connect with no, yeah. uh, with no video, which I, I have this sense that that's sort of where things are going. And we were talking about that the other day that, um, but well, because the other night we were just sitting here relaxing and someone knocked at the door and it was actually a very, I won't name the company, but a very, very huge, uh, company going door to door. Really? wanted to, you know, buy into their service. Wow. It's the second time over maybe three or four months. And we started talking about that, that things are sort of, you know, that pendulum swings. Mm. So we've, we've hit the, the edge of huge production video, you know, CGI dragons, right? Right. <laughs> um, and now it's like kind of coming back to the other side where people have a different kind of life. Not all of us can watch a screen, but we can listen while we're doing something, right? And so it was just funny to have a door-to-door salesperson. Like how long has that been since that wow. happened? But yeah. different methods are starting to come back into vogue because the way we live has mm. started to shift. So I'm excited 
for this project. <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited. Yeah. And, yeah. and I can hardly wait. I mean, we have, uh, we, we have given people until May 31st. By the way, any listener who wants to, uh, throw their hat into the ring and become a contestant for one of the roles is more than welcome to do that. Um, and all you really have to do is just make a little selfie video. Uh, like a 20 second video and not any longer than that, just talking on anything, just narrate into the, into the camera while you're running the video and tell us about yourself. Tell us why you'd want to be in the, in a role. If, you, if there's a particular role that you want to be in, cause you, you, you know, read one of our ads somewhere. Now, you can talk about that really just to talk about anything. Cause all we really want to do is hear what you sound like and hear how you present yourself. That that's really what we're looking for. Um, but do that and send it to me at walt at LOAToday.net. Just email it to me. And we will include you in the list, and you'll get a fair shake, just as any pro <laughs> or amateur actor out there. So. You just added another 250 emails to yeah, you. Probably, yeah. <laughs> and I'm the one who has to process them, so, uh, well, you know, <laughs> be careful oh, what all, you wish for. <laughs> it's all going to work out perfectly. So we are talking Neville today. We are uh, on we are. the prayer, and, and prayer had the subtitle. What was the subtitle of prayer? Prayer, the art of believing. The art of believing. That's right. We're on chapter three. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to turn it over to you because you're you're our leader where it comes to doing Neville. <laughs> and so, as usual, I I just always think it's so funny. Walt and I both have said to each other, "If you would have told us several years ago that either <laughs> one of us would be teaching some kind of class on prayer, we would have said, right? no, that's not going to happen.'" <laughs> um, but my particular, you know, definition of prayer is very very wide because. Uh, some people don't like that word at all. As a matter of fact, just since last week, uh, I was reading something, and I, I'm not even sure where I was reading, but the person said prayer was helpful, and then they said, if you don't like that word, mm. call it a poem, call mm. it a recitation, call mm. it, and so I thought, oh, so that's fairly common for people to maybe leave a, a religion where prayer was central and, and say, or maybe have an experience where a prayer wasn't answered in the way they wanted it to be, you know, some kind of emotional experience where they've said, forget this. Like I'm not a big fan of praying. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we know that we've seen a lot of things uh, in the past couple of years, politically where certain groups have sent their thoughts and prayers and other people have said, we don't need thoughts and prayers. We need, laws to change, you know, so mm-hmm. there's all kinds of ideas about prayer and the efficiency of prayer or what it means. But I throw into the bag thoughts and prayers and wishes and hopes and poems and spells and incantations and recitations and yeah, it's all in there. So how many times have you been somewhere, uh, maybe a wedding, uh, maybe a funeral, maybe a birthday party where someone read you know, a poem or something that really touched you. You know, I officiated at a wedding um, last year and I chose a poem to end the ceremony with. And someone came up to me right after the ceremony and said, oh, that poem, that was the thing. Like that short little poem, right? So to me, it's all a prayer. Mm-hmm. And so if you feel squeamish about the idea of praying, I want you to just like take a deep breath. <laughs> And recognize that Neville talks about all kinds of things that turn out to be something you didn't think they were. <laughs> and for, for people who are devout prayer, prayers, who, who pray regularly, who do it uh, because they're religious, who because they have a, a very strong religious orientation, you also kind of need to, you know, to kind of take a step back here because the way, the way Neville talks about prayer is a little different from the way you learned it in Sunday school. It's not all that different, but it's a little different. Right. No, I'm glad you said that because whatever end of the spectrum you are or any place in the middle, you may be shocked by what Neville says or, or surprised, maybe hopefully pleasantly surprised. Yeah. But anyway, this chapter is called Imagination and Faith. And if you know anything about Neville, if you've listened to us talk about Neville before, you know that imagination is sort of his wheelhouse. This right. is the thing he talks about a lot. And so he says, prayers are not successfully made unless there is a rapport between the conscious and subconscious mind of the operator. This is done through imagination and faith. By the power of imagination, all men, certainly imaginative men, are forever casting forth enchantments. And all men, 
especially unimaginative men, are continually passing under their power. Can we ever be certain that it was not our mother while darning our socks who began that subtle change in our minds? <laughs> if I can unintentionally cast an enchantment over persons, there's no reason to doubt that I'm able to cast intentionally a far stronger enchantment. Everything that can be seen, touched, explained, argued over is to the imaginative man nothing more than a means for he functions by reason of his controlled imagination in the deep of himself where every idea exists in itself and not in relation to something else. In him, there's no need for the restraints of reason. So you may want to pick that paragraph apart a little bit. Um, when, when Neville talks about restraints of reason, what I hear is that logical part of either the logical part of our mind or someone else's logic and reason. Mm -hmm. And sure. oftentimes it's that dream crusher, right? It's the part that says, oh, that's, you're asking too big. You're dreaming too big. That's not going to happen. Um, or sometimes we've talked about this before when people who love us don't want to see us be disappointed. Mm -hmm. So they sort of try to talk us back from the bigness of whatever it is we're aiming for. Right. Sure. <laughs> um, and I think that's what he's talking about. But he says that if, if we have control of our imagination, that we don't need that kind of restraint. Um, he says, for the only restraint he can obey is the mysterious instinct that teaches him to eliminate all moods other than the mood of the fulfilled desire. By the way, I think there's another um, use of the word reason here that he may be using, which is we, we tend to associate reason with, quote, the real world, unquote, with the mm. physical world, with, with uh, you know, the world we interact with on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. Um, regardless of whether it's a world that we create individually or the one that we create as a group, I mean, there are a lot of different perspectives on this, but there is some thing that we often say is outside of ourselves, that world. And I suspect that his word reason applies to that world. I think so too, because look what he says in that paragraph, everything that can be seen, touched, explained, argued over is to the imaginative man, nothing more than a means. Right. So we talk all the time about the how and, and, Mike Dooley talks about the cursed house. Yes. <laughs> Don't get focused on how They're it's horrible. There. They're just horrible. <laughs> and so Neville seems to be saying, look, all of those hows, you know, they're just, they're just a possible means of this unfolding. We don't need to worry about it. We don't need to reason about that. So yeah, I, I definitely, uh, good catch. So he says that for the only restraint he can obey is the mysterious instinct that teaches him to eliminate all moods other than the mood of the fulfilled desire. Now, this is a big ask. <laughs> In my approximation, um, this is not something that's very easily done, is to eliminate all moods other than the mood of the fulfilled desire. Uh, assume the feeling of the wish fulfilled is something that Neville says all the time. And it's definitely doable to do mm. that. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it also takes practice. Mm. This is a little different because he's ta not just talking about assuming the feeling of the wish fulfilled. He's, he's coming at it from the opposite direction, saying eliminate all moods other than the mood right. of fulfilled desire. Yeah, it's almost as if he said assume the feeling of the wish fulfilled and do it exclusively. Right, yeah. right. So he says, imagination and faith are the only faculties of the mind needed to create objective conditions. That's it. Mm -hmm. Imagination and faith. The faith required for the successful operation of the law of consciousness is a purely subjective faith and is attainable upon the cessation of active opposition on the part of the objective mind of the operator. So, it sounds to me like what he's saying here is that as soon as we can release the resistance that we have, um, the faith will be there. Yeah, that would be the Abraham way of saying what he said. Yeah. It depends on your ability to feel and accept as true 
what your objective senses deny. Neither the passivity of the subject nor his conscious agreement with your suggestion is necessary. For without his consent or knowledge, he can be given a subjective order which he must objectively express. It is a fundamental law of consciousness that by telepathy, we can have immediate communion with another. So what do you hear when he's talking uh, about this? Well, he has an interesting use of, the, of pronouns. Mm-hmm. That's what I wanted to dig out. And I yeah. have a reason for asking because he started the chapter talking about our prayers having effect on someone else. He talked about the example of a mother as she's darning your socks. She's praying for you. Mm-hmm. And was it her prayers that suddenly cha- caused you to change your mind about something? That's certainly something that that the devout followers of Neville like to push. They like to push that point very strongly. <laughs> well, yeah. I definitely know, you know, um, my husband came home yesterday and told me that he had a friend that he hadn't heard from in a little while, and they're pretty close, and he said he started suddenly thinking about him and feeling a little concerned about, oh, I wonder why I haven't heard from him. And he said he looked over at his phone, and the friend was calling, mm-hmm. right? And so we we chalk that up to uh, serendipity, synchronicity, intuition. Uh, but Neville is using the word in this paragraph. He's used it twice now, telepathy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I'm curious for thoughts on that. I mean, I, I can't I can't disprove it, right? Um, but usually when he uses pronouns, like when I was reading this, I was thinking he's using the pronoun he. And at first right. I thought he was talking about um, the subconscious, but it would be strange for Neville to use the pronoun he <laughs> for the subconscious. Well, he does. You brought up two points there, and I want to address both of them. The, the telepathy part—that's that's really on the point of how. What, what is the method? This is like the horrible house again. What's the method that occurs when I influence you, or you influence me with your thoughts, and or I influence you with my thoughts? What's the, what's the how how does that actually happen? And he described. He, I think that's what he's referring to with this whole idea of a telepathy that there is a telepathic. Uh, channel and that channel is open and as that channel is open, that's where the influence is occurring. And I, I'm okay with that. I mean, I don't know. Sure, it could be telepathic. It could be a lot of things. I've heard a lot of different theories about how we're all connected together. Um, right. Including the very basic one that we talk about, that we're just source energy and we, we're connected that way. So right. could you talk about his telepathy? Yeah, okay. That's fine. I'm okay with that. You know, I, I'm not sure that it really tells me a whole lot, but it's interesting. That's good. <laughs> um, the other part, though, and this is where he uses the pronouns. The pronouns seem to be tied to the word subjective. And I say that because in the middle of that last paragraph that you read, it said the, neither the passivity of the subject nor his conscious agreement with your subjective right. is necessary. Now, that's an interesting use of the word subject because earlier, like a sentence or two before, he said that the law of consciousness is a purely subjective faith. So he's using a term that has a dual meaning. It has two different kinds of meanings. One is used more in the realm of reasoning and logic and understanding, and the other one is used in the meaning of talking about a person. There could be a subject of inquiry, or there could be a subject under investigation who is a human being. It could be either one. It could be an idea or it could be a human. And, and he's kind of blurring the boundaries there a little bit because that's, I think that's how he ends up with the idea of the pronouns, his and him. I think those pronouns re- refer to what he called earlier purely subjective faith. And he's treating that faith as if it had personhood. So when he says neither the passivity of the subject nor his conscious agreement with your suggestion is necessary for without his consent or knowledge, he can be given a subjective order, which he must objectively express. Uh, reminds me of this idea. I was thinking about someone and suddenly they called me. Right. Uh, somehow my thoughts influenced this person um, without their consent or knowledge. I don't know. It's just interesting, interesting ideas. 
Well, here's the thing. And, and this kind of ties into a discussion I was having online earlier. If I influence you, is it possible for me to influence you without your consent? Is that really possible? Influence is always a two-way street, first of all. Mm -hmm. Right? Uh, and no, I don't think it is. I agree. I don't think it is possible for you to influence me without my consent. Right. So um, I think we, now, we can eliminate that piece of it be, right now then. <laughs> it may not be conscious consent. <laughs> this is true. Right. <laughs> this is very true. Yes. Uh, because sometimes, you know, it's like I had this discussion with, uh, with a client recently uh, telling my own story about the whole idea. And Neville talks about this. Lots of people talk about this, but it's a favorite concept of mine. And that is that everything we experience is, a, like a big magic mirror reflecting back to us what's going on within ourselves. And when I talk to somebody who's got a problem with a person, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? We've all had a problem with a person before, right? But I mean, when I talk to someone who they are consciously doing their best to not be the kind of person who is in a conflict or causes conflict, right? Mm -hmm. But someone in their realm of experience is not that type of person and is causing conflicts everywhere. Or maybe they're very uh, drama-driven or maybe mm -hmm. they are just a mean-spirited, right, or whatever. And, and when the person says, when I explain the mirror concept to them, I have to explain it like this. I'm not saying to you, that this person who is being so awful is mirroring your behavior. I'm not saying, well, you're awful to everyone, and that's why these people are awful to you. Now, that could be the case, right? Sure. Oh, that's always people possible. So, yeah. or law of attraction. But the more common experience of it is that someone is being mirrored at for the way they treat themselves. Mm-hmm. So if everyone around you is not showing you any respect, how are you respecting yourself? Right, exactly. Right? If yeah. everyone around you is treating you, if you keep noticing instances of people that are maybe not showing up for you, people keep flaking out on you, right? Well, are you not showing up for yourself? Because that's the mirror that we start getting back, right? And so when I... When I see this um, about consent and about is the consent conscious, when I recognized in my own experience that I was in a, an abusive relationship, but what I recognized was that I was allowing someone to disrespect me that way. The mm -hmm. way I was allowing someone to talk to me, I wouldn't have allowed someone to talk to my puppy that way. Right. If a new neighbor would have come over to my house and and I said, oh, come on in. Nice to meet you. And then they immediately said something completely horrible to my little dog. I would have said, let me show you out. <laughs> I don't blame you. Right? But but yet at the same period of time, I was allowing someone in my life to talk to me that way. Mm. I wasn't protecting myself. I wasn't respecting myself. Yeah. And. It was with my consent. I mean, years later, I looked back and said, look, I was the one that opened up the door for that to happen. Sure. I allowed it to happen. So in some way, it was consensual, right? But it was really unconscious because I kept thinking, I am so kind to everyone. How could anyone be unkind? Well, that's why. I wasn't being kind to myself. I wasn't saying enough. Of, enough is enough. Yeah, that's true. And, I, okay. and we do that a lot. It's very easy to fall into that trap of doing that. I th I'm not sure if it's even a trap. Well, in, a sen in some sense, it's a trap. I think it's, it's more like... A, what's that? It's a learning opportunity. Learning opportunity, yes. Well, it definitely is that. No doubt about that. Yes. <laughs> um, it's also, it's kind of like a uh, an opportunity in the sense of, I I can be a person who is very open to others. And is just willing to accept what they tell me, you know, just because I feel friendly. And then others start, certain others, not all others, certain others start treating me poorly, kind of along the way you were describing. And I continue with my policy of, well, I just, you know, accept what, what people are saying. The, the thing is, at the moment that I'm accepting it, I'm kind of taking it internally. I, I'm giving my consent using the yes. terminology we were using. Exactly. 
And that's the part that I think is unconscious. We, we, we can actually get to the point where we don't even think about it because that was always our policy. Our policy was always just to accept, to accept, to accept. And so we, when we have an experience where all of a sudden we're ex- accepting stuff that we really probably would not have normally chosen to accept, but we just kind of did it habitually, that's where we end up with, oh, geez, I'm not really sure I wanted to give that power away. <laughs> right? I, I saw someone said recently something like, um, a boundary is the distance at which I can love you and love me at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought that's the key right there is yeah. – is those boundaries so that we don't, you know, trample all, allow someone to trample all over ourselves. It's not that we want to trample over anyone else. It's that there needs to be that space where we love ourselves as much as we love other people. That balance. Now, as we're live streaming, of course, um, some of our followers are, are watching us now. And, and Jeffrey, who's one of our most loyal ones, posted an interesting question along the lines of what we're talking about. He says, what boggles my mind is when I remember that other humans are living their lives too. So... What or who is influencing what the others are thinking about when a serendipity happens? An interesting question. It is. Um, it's alignment. So, yeah. right? And so when, when we're aligned with each other, that's when you get serendipity or synchronicity because of the alignment. We're both aligned in the same, you know, it's the word coincidence. I don't believe there's any true coincidence but if you look at the word it just means that something coincides right right. you were thinking about me and i was thinking about you and we phoned each other it's like you know a synchronicity happened uh but it's just because of the alignment that happened there and i think that the closer people are the more often that happens um the more open we are to whatever we want to be in alignment with we start to see those synchronicities so All right, so I don't want to get too far off track here, but I like this discussion because of where he's going next. You know, Mm -hmm. he's talking about telepathy. He says it's a fundamental law of consciousness that by telepathy we can have immediate communion with another. Mm -hmm. Um, I read something recently uh, about someone that had written a letter uh, to someone to kind of deal with past, something that happened in the past, but they did, they had no intention of sending it. They just wanted to get all those feelings out on the paper. And sure, it, yeah. something that some person they hadn't talked to in decades, and they wrote the letter and they, you know, threw it away or burned it or whatever, you know, just as a self-healing process. And, like, within 24 hours, the person called them. Oh, of course. <laughs> and I think that's this same kind of thing. Yeah. So listen what Neville says next, because it's interesting. He says, to establish rapport, you call the subject mentally. Focus your attention on him and mentally shout his name just as you would to attract the attention of anyone. Imagine that he answered and mentally hear his voice. Represent him to yourself inwardly in the state you want him to obtain. Then imagine that he's telling you in the tones of ordinary conversation what you want to hear. Mentally answer him. Tell him of your joy in witnessing his good fortune. Having mentally heard with all the distinctness of reality that which you wanted to hear and having thrilled to the news heard, return to objective consciousness. Your subjective conversation must awaken what it affirmed. Now, you've heard me talk before about certain types of meditation, specifically certain uh, Buddhist types of meditation, Tonglen meditation and Brahma Vihara meditation and all those forms of meditation. Now, except for the part about shouting the person's name as you would to attract attention, mm-hmm. the rest of it is there. Seeing someone that I'm meditating about, and this is where I think it's so funny because it really sounds like prayer to me, right? Seeing someone happy, seeing them completely fulfilled, seeing them having good fortune and hearing them tell you about it. Uh, This is all a meditative technique Mm -hmm. uh, that sounds like Neville's describing it to the T. Right. And so I think it's interesting. He says your subjective conversation must awaken what it affirmed. What do you think he means when he says awaken? I think this is part of what um, we in Abraham circles would call the manifestation process. Okay. Um, and, and where that, is that in the process? 
I think it's the, if, if I were to describe the process a little differently from the way Abraham does it, I would describe it as I have a thought. I stay with it. As I think about it, the feeling builds as the feeling builds, the belief builds as the belief builds, it gets stronger and stronger. The more, there's more vibration to it. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Momentum. And bigger. The momentum just kind of kicks in. It keeps going and growing and going and growing. And as it does that, it starts to firm, to use it, Neville's term. It starts to firm into the, into the hardness of, of what he called here objective consciousness or what we could call reality. Okay. So that to me is one way of describing the manifestation process. So what I'm curious about is, I'm okay, if, if I'm using you as the subject here, mm-hmm. and I'm the one uh, doing the meditation or the prayer the way Neville's describing, so I'm mentally... I'm shouting your name, and then I'm picturing you telling me how well this new audio play is going. Mm -hmm. This is amazing, and I'm picturing you, and you are happy and fulfilled and exuberant, thrilled about the progress of this because it's so successful. Okay, Neville says at that point, he says, your subjective conversation, so that's the conversation I'm having with you mentally in my mind. Right must awaken what it affirmed. So the thing it affirmed is your success, mm-hmm. our success, the podcast success, yep. right? it's affirming that. So what does Neville mean when he says it must awaken what we just affirmed? Where where in the process, where in the manifestation process is the awakening? <laughs> no. I'm asking. And I'm not sure I can give you a definite spot, but the reason I outlined the, the manifestation process the way I did, you know, thought, belief, building, vibration, all that kind of thing, was for me, awakening is the building of vibration. Okay, that's what I was going to say. Do you think it's the momentum? It's like it's not sleeping anymore. It's awake, and it's starting to yeah. build momentum. There, there's a science fiction novel by a relatively obscure novelist, that uh, a novelist I used to love reading. I, I read all of his stuff. His name was L. Neal Smith. And he wrote this one particular novel. Um, and in that novel, he, he wrote about a computer. Now, this is a society on the moon. So the moon had been colonized. They had like three different colonies on it. And one of those colonies uh, was basically run through a computer that just ran all the facilities. It, you know, it just did all this stuff. And at some point, that computer woke up. And when that <laughs> computer woke up, it became self-aware. Okay. And, and so that was like a key portion of the entire novel, which was at what point does a computer have enough gigabytes or terabytes or whatever and, and enough processing and enough database and enough disk space and RAM and all that kind of stuff to wake up. This is where it goes from machine learning to AI, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, even farther than that, <laughs> I mean, even AI isn't self-aware. We're talking about self-awareness. This was a self-aware machine. This was a machine that could hurt. It could have, it had feelings. It, it, it could feel love. It could, it could experience all the human emotions. So I, I, I actually really like this uh, picture that you've painted in connection to the question of what does this mean that awareness, you know, that, that awakening happens to, mm-hmm. to the thing we affirmed. Yes. Because what, what it sort of says to me is maybe that awakening is when this thing, this success, in this case, it'd be the success of the podcast or whatever, when it sort of takes on a life of its own. Yes. Yes. That's, that's pretty much what it is. I mean, if, if, if I could use that phrase and it be understood that, you know, it's, it's, it's at that point when things start happening and you rec- you have the sense, you recognize this, like, oh, this is sort of out of my hands. Like, I'm not really doing anything. And it's, it's just it's taking on a life of its own, right? right. Yeah. That's what I sense when I read that. So that's kind of exciting. I well, it, it reminds me. We, we, today. I'm going to go have <laughs> <laughs> Before we did this book, we, we were discussing your faith is your fortune. And one of the themes in that book, he, he was really spending a lot of time defining his key terminologies. And right. he, he talked about the concept of I am coming before any kind of adjective that that turns into a, yes. a being, it's the I am that right. comes first, right? It's the I um, am, right? And 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 in essence, what he was describing was the original process for how we became who we are as eternal beings, right? Through through that that initial concept of I am. Well, 
That is a description in kind of an oblique way, but it's a description of a being becoming self-aware. I am aware of myself and my self-awareness, I become real in whatever real means. (laughs) That's right. All right. So Neville says, thou shalt decree a thing and it shall be established unto thee. Mm -hmm. It's not a strong will that sends the subjective word on its mission so much as it is clear thinking and feeling the truth of the state affirmed. When belief and will are in conflict, belief invariable wins. Invariably wins. Uh, that's an interesting thing to remember. <laughs> mm. It's important that we that we have that clear thinking and the feeling of the of the statement that we've made being true. Mm-hmm. Right. And he says, he quotes this verse, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. He's saying this to say what he just said is that it's not a strong will that sends the subjective word on its mission as much as it is clear thinking uh, and assuming the feeling of the wish fulfilled. Uh, I like to always remind myself and other people that as far as clarity is concerned, you know, we can't have what we want if we don't know what it is. So it's important to take the time to get clear about that. And that clear thinking is going to work in tandem with us assuming the feeling of the wish. Right. He says, it's not what you want that you attract. You attract what you believe to be true. Yes. Therefore, get into the spirit of these mental conversations and give them the same degree of reality that you would a telephone conversation. (laughs) If thou canst believe... All things are possible to him that believeth. Therefore, I say unto you, what's, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. The acceptance of the end wills the means. And the wisest reflection could not devise more effective means than those which are willed by the acceptance of the end. Mentally talk to your friends as though your desires for them were already realized. Mm-hmm. I love that Neville is kind of taking a different tact here because so often the things we've read from Neville in the past are how I can uh, create my reality of what I want mm-hmm. <laughs> for me. Right. But he's talking now about the desires that we have for other people. Yes. Uh, and, you know, anyone that loves anyone recognizes this we have desires for people when we see people that a lot of times our desires for them are whatever they desire i know for for me that's the case Uh, when i look at people that i love i want them to have what they desire Mm -hmm. so i love this idea of supporting other people in my life to have what they desire by using this mental conversation there's also a sentence in that last bit there that he, he said it quickly. He said it in one sentence, but it has a lot of meaning in it. We know that as Abraham followers, because Abraham talks about this a lot. But the sentence is, it is not what you want that you attract. You attract what you believe to be true. And there's a lot of loaded stuff in there, very important loaded stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it includes the idea of what a want is, a want being focusing on what Abraham would call the lack end of the two-ended stick, focusing on, I don't have this thing, I, I, I lack it at the moment, and that's my position of wanting it. Whereas believing it to be true is more of the thing end of the stick. This is the end of the stick that says, yes, I claim that, it's mine, it's already mine, I already believe it's mine, and it's part of my feeling and my thinking, and I'm excited, and I'm building the vibration of it. Now, he says it really, really quickly there, and, and I can't remember... Of any of the books we've read so far, if he went into great detail about it, but I just found it fascinating that in a very quick sentence, he outlined something that us Abraham followers have really gone into in depth. Exactly. And that's, you know, that's that pivot thing that we talked about at the beginning of the year Mm -hmm. that takes so much practice. Mm -hmm. And fortunately for most of us, we get lots of practice. Yeah. Even when we're in a situation where we're pivoting, and what I mean by that word is that when I start focusing on something I don't want, that I recognize, oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm thinking too much about what I don't want. What is it I do want? Mm. Start pivoting over to think about what I do want. You know, inevitably, eventually, maybe sometimes sooner than later, my thoughts drift back over to 
the reality to what is, and I start thinking about that lack again, and that's when I need to pivot again. And this can be done multiple times, <laughs> right? I mean, but what happens is you start getting really good at pivoting. Yes. And it starts becoming easier, and then you start believing. Uh, that's, I think, where the, the faith comes in, right? Mm-hmm. There's another point that I want to make too about that same sentence. It is not what you want that you attract. I want to talk about that portion of the sentence, the word want. We've already identified the word want is often identified, and, and Neville in this case is specifically using it to mean a lack point. But it's also worth noting, want is only a lack point if you're in the vibration of lack. If you yes. use the, It's not the word, it's what you're feeling when you're thinking about the word. Exactly. So because you, you could be thinking desire, about feeling right? like this is mine. I, I I want this thing. This is mine. You could feel very very strong like it. Yes, it's already. I claim it. It's mine. It, it's there. Yeah. And the same word now has a different vibration to it. True. So, so so it's important I think to understand that Neville is using the word want in a very very specific way. Yes, a very specific way. And there's a there's a energetic difference uh, in the word want and the word desire. Yeah. Right. I mean, I'm curious to know what your, what your take is on that. Cause that's actually a, a topic that I addressed with uh, Joel and Alex last week. So tell, tell me what you see as the difference between um, want and desire. Well, I think that desire can, uh, here's what the difference that I see. It's similar. It's similar to the difference between inspiration and motivation. Ah. And that is inspiration is usually the vision out in front of me. Mm-hmm. I'm inspired by whatever I'm my, the goal that I'm going for. I'm inspired because I want that thing. I desire that thing mm-hmm. and it's my desire to have it. And I'm so fired up and thrilled about the potentiality of it that that thing out there in front of me pulls me forward. It mm-hmm. inspires me. It inspires action. Mm-hmm. Motivation is more like the monster that's chasing me from behind. Ah, okay. Right? Because right? it's not about what I want. It's about what I don't want. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to work really hard to make as much money as I can because I don't want to be poor. Mm-hmm. Because I don't want to have, you know, a fall into some situation where I have an emergency I can't afford. Because I mm-hmm. don't want to end up like, you know, a parent or because I don't, whatever. But it's something that, we don't want, and we're running from it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So sure. that's the want that I see. Yeah, okay. Right? It's like I'm lacking whatever it is, and I don't want to end up back there, so I'm going to work hard, or I'm going to do whatever it is I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Inspiration okay. is much lighter. It's not heavy. It's not being chased. It's being pulled along by a vision of something that you can see in the future mm-hmm. by a possibility. Okay. So that's the difference I see. Yeah, I know that's it's the same word. That's fine. If you look them up in the dictionary, it's probably going to say the same thing. That's, yeah, well, the, no, that's my point, though. My point is it, it doesn't really matter what – I mean, it, it does matter. It matters what you what your uh, meaning is for it because that's your meaning for it. Uh, but my point is it, if I were to say to you, you have to always think of the word want in terms of, of lack, you would say, well, no, that's not necessarily the case. But the way you're, you're describing it, you're using the concept that way. And that's the right. point I want to make. With all of these things, Neville is, is describing concepts. And I see a lot of people who get worked up, who are Neville followers, who get worked up about the words. It's not the words. It's the yeah, concepts. you can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a really important thing. Um, he, he, I mean, especially since so much of what he does and what he writes about is so metaphorical. You know, you, you, you can't take <laughs> a metaphor and say, well, the word in this metaphor always has to mean this. And it means that in all places in all times, because the moment you've done that, you've destroyed the metaphor. <laughs> you basically said this thing that I'm being metaphorical about has to be always true at all times or else it's not true. It's, then you just start forcing it and it doesn't ever work. Right. Right. <laughs> All right, so let's see what Neville says. I, I'm not sure we're going to make it to the end of this chapter. Well, that's all right. We, we haven't done that in a while, but we're, you know, we're due. <laughs> but he's he's been telling us that we should mentally talk to our friends as though our desires for them were already realized. So he want, he's instructing us to have conversations in our mind uh, that that 
would be the conversations we would have if our friends were calling us to tell us about this wonderful thing that happened. Their desires and our desires for them, hopefully those are the same, were already realized. Uh, so he says, imagination is the beginning of the growth of all forms. And faith is the substance out of which they are formed. By imagination, that which exists in latency or is asleep within the deep of consciousness is awakened and given form. And this is kind of answering the earlier question we had or I had about uh, awakening, right? Mm-hmm, right. The cures attributed to the influence of certain medicines, relics, and places are the effects of imagination and faith. The curative power is not in the spirit that is in them. It is in the spirit in which they are accepted. Mm-hmm. The letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. The subjective mind is completely controlled by suggestion. So whether the object of your faith be true or false, you will get the same results. So is this the placebo effect? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> sure. Why not? Because the placebo effect is all about belief. It's either yeah. the belief in the person who's giving you X or it's the belief in the X itself, but it is belief. And the belief is what drives whatever the desired, quote, cure, unquote, really is. Well, it's interesting. You know, the subjective mind is completely controlled by suggestion. Well, that just reminds me of hypnosis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, there is nothing unsound in the theory of medicine or in the claims of priesthood for their relics and holy places. The subjective mind of the patient accepts the suggestion of health conditioned on such states. And as soon as these conditions are met, proceeds to realize health. According to your faith, be it done unto you, for all things are possible to him that believeth. Confident expectation of a state is the most potent means of bringing it about. The confident expectation of a cure does that which no medical treatment can accomplish. Mm. Failure is always due to an antagonistic auto-suggestion by the patient, arising from objective doubt of the power of medicine or relic, or from doubt of the truth of the theory. Mm-hmm. Many of us, either from too little emotion or too much intellect, both of which are stumbling blocks in the way or prayer, cannot believe that which our sense deny. To force ourselves to believe will end in greater doubt. To avoid such counter-suggestions, the patient should be unaware, objectively, of the suggestions which are made to him. The most effective method of healing or influencing the behavior of others consists in what is known as the silent or absent treatment. Let's see. I want to interrupt for a second there because he made a point, and I understand why he made this point, but I, I highlight it because modern science has found that it actually has an unnecessary limitation on it. He says, to force ourselves to believe, uh, let's see, like, make sure I'm not crossing sentences here. Yeah. To force ourselves to believe will end in greater doubt. To mm-hmm. avoid such counter suggestions, the patient should be unaware objectively of the suggestions which are made to him. The idea of that is if the patient is unaware, then it's more likely, according to the, the theory, especially the way hip, uh, hypnosis was understood at the time, it was, it was going to be more likely that the patient was going to absorb and accept and be able to use that suggestion. But what modern medicine has been able to prove is that, uh, and there are a number of modern scientists who have shown this, it's actively, it's, it's actively not really necessary for the patient to know or not know that it's, an, that it's a placebo, to use the word. Right. Placebos and work almost more effectively when they know that it's a placebo, which was kind of goes say, against what, what humans have believed about this for some time. But actually, it turns out it really does pay to know objectively what the suggestion is. Well, and I've also heard it doesn't really matter whether you believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, that which is that's really strange, but it's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's really interesting. Um, and I'm not sure what he's talking about here about the silent or absent treatment. Um, it sounds like though that he is talking about some form of hypnosis, uh, because he says when the subject is unaware objectively of the suggestion giving him given him, there's yeah. no possibility of him setting up an antagonistic belief. Mm-hmm. It's not necessary that the patient know objectively that anything is being done for him. So I would say about that was the idea of when we're talking about the idea of praying for someone else mm-hmm. or using any kind of meditative technique to benefit someone else. I think what Neville's saying here is that 
it's not necessary that they know about it. It's not necessary yeah. that I tell someone that I'm holding them in that space sure. for it to have benefit for them. And, and as that, a matter of fact, it might be better that they don't know because then they don't set up some kind of antagonistic belief system around it. I think that's what he's saying. I, I think that is what he's saying. Um, I, I think also that what we have learned since then shows a growth out of that. I mean, he, he was writing at a time where what he was saying there was very appropriate for that time. It fit the time. It fit the way humans thought at that time. It yes. fit the way understanding worked. And, and he was trying to lead them into a new thought process. It was a great way to take them there. Um, looking through the lens of what we know today, I, I think he'd actually phrase it a little bit differently if he was writing today. I think so, too. And I've also seen that, and I, I recognize everybody's different. We all have different, you know, ideas, worldviews, and all of that. But I know that some people, to find out, like, some people that may have a whole group of people um, doing energy work for them, praying for them, meditating on their behalf, whatever terminology you want to use, may actually start to have more faith themselves that they're going to have a healing or whatever because they know all of these people are supporting yeah. them. Yeah. Um, and they can sense it. They can feel it. Like, you know, Neville's talking about telepathy here, mm -hmm. um, to recognize all of us as a group, we're all, you know, holding you in a space of success or healing or whatever. Um, I think that that helps some people to um, recognize it, to to real to realize it in their own experience because of the power of our connection. I agree. No, I, I think that's exactly it. And I I think that for me, this is where I like. I, I mean, you and I both like to draw from a number of different disciplines, a number of different teachers, and so forth, because we find you know, different values in each one of them. This is a time where I like to draw from Abraham because the concept that Abraham puts out is the concept of vibration, momentum, like we were talking about before. And when you understand the the concept through that lens, so to speak, then what he's talking about here starts to take on a new shape, take, starts to take on a new meaning, because right. in, in that context. Sure, the silent or absent treatment it can be objectively the, the the effective one, or it could be also the in your face treatment that could be effective. They can both yeah. be effective, and not not to be confused with the verbal abuse of silent treatment. No, That's not no, what we're talking about here. <laughs> not, not really the same thing. No, <laughs> no. I not saw really that phrase and I was like, what? <laughs> I, I, well, actually, I suppose you could have, you could argue that there is an influence that happens that way too. It just might not be the result that you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> you may end up with a completely different result from what you had in mind. So. <laughs> yeah. So, so to be fair to the, um, to be fair to the writing, I think we're going to close it there for today. Um, because we would have to really rush to, to read it all and we wouldn't get the discussion in. So I think we'll yeah, exactly. up there next That's time. Right. It's a good place to stop, and, and it's such a good – I mean, there's a lot of meat in this chapter, Imagination and Faith, Chapter 3 of the book, from the book uh, Prayer of the Art of Believing. It, it has a lot of meat to it, so it's it's worth it spending you – know, we'll, we'll spend, like, the first part of next week to talk about it, and then we'll go on to Chapter 4. Perfect. Um, before we go, um want to remind people, first of all, subscribe and share. We talked about how to do that at the beginning, and hopefully now people know how to find us for the live stream, for those yes. who want to the live stream. <laughs> Um, but I also want to give you a chance to tell people how to find Cindy Chavez because sometimes they want to reach out to Cindy to talk to her and maybe get some coaching or just get some ideas, get some input about stuff. How do they reach you? They can find me at my website, cindychavez.com, C-I-N-D-I-E-C-H-A-V-E-Z.com. There's a contact form there. I would love to hear from you. And if you would like some support in your LOA practice, that's what I do. Um, I would love to help you there. Just um, say hello. Give me that's a shout. Good. That's what's that, that's what you're supposed to do. Say hello. That's how you get a conversation going. <laughs> Very good. Well, as usual, this has been a lot of fun. The only sad part is that it only lasts an hour. I want to keep going on for hours and hours. <laughs> oh well, you know that's what next time it's for. But thank you very much for being our our leader in in exploring the world of Neville. We appreciate that. I'm enjoying it. Thank you to our live stream listeners. Thank you to our podcast listeners as well, because without you, we wouldn't have a podcast. You're, you guys are, are the thank bulk of the so backbone of our whole operation. So thank you very much. And with that in mind, we will say we'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone.